One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, I'm Trish Halpin, and I'm Lorraine Candy. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, the show where we help you through the midlife, the menopause, motherhood and everything in between. Trish, what's yes. been happening to you this week? Well, I always have a tube story, don't I? Yes. <laughs> bit of you seem to be travelling to lots of places. I, well, I'm going a lot of places and I, I sort of think it's a really good place for sort of observing life and finding out interesting things about people. And this week I, I had a little light bulb episode where I thought, oh my God, thank God, being the age we are, we don't have to do these like modern Hindus where you all have to kind of pack off and travel abroad. I was listening to these two two lovely young ladies and one of them, she was obviously the bride and she was regaling a the list bride. of instructions. The lovely bride. She wanted a villa in the south of France. Oh uh, she wanted any feathers or penises anywhere near the vicinity. Adult. Just lots of lovely, lovely rosé wine. Um, and Whis- Whispering it, angel. Which <laughs> very like. So I was thinking, goodness, what's what's wrong with just a kind of boozy old night at a nightclub? I don't know. Well, you know what changed it, don't you? What was it? Instagram. Oh, right. So okay. boozy old uh, you and me dancing to ABBA <laughs> yes. till two o'clock in the morning is not Instagrammable oh, at see. all. Right, okay. But nice filler in the south of France. Mm. That is Instagram. That's mm. your social media yeah, that's I think, changed And then it. The kind of brides on tour t-shirts and all of that. Anyway, one of the things about being our age is so glad we didn't have to go through that. And have you, have you been on the tube this week, Rain? Anything interesting I do like to you? <laughs> I do like a trip on the tube, but I've usually, I'm usually listening to a podcast, oh, yeah. Trish. Okay. <laughs> um, I tell you what I've been doing this week. Um, I found a book called Slow Moon Climbing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay. it's quite interesting. It's an academic book. It's written by a historian. <laughs> I read it, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't read it all, obviously. I've dipped into it. But it, it put forward a new theory about the middle of your life and one of the things that this podcast is about is busting the myths and all the things women didn't tell us so the myth is you're broken you need to be fixed I'm blaming the patriarchy for that I think (laughs) (laughs) women in their midlife they're broken they need to be fixed it's the end Uh, women's hell it used to be called or the or a slow woman's death it used Mm -hmm. to be called in the 1800s but actually the point of the book is that from a kind of studying people point of view what we were supposed to do was have our children get that out of the way Mm. so we could be incredibly useful to the rest of society and do brilliant things in this stage of our life. And somehow the whole narrative has changed mm. to us being a bit broken, something wrong with us, mm, not having any time. value anymore, I suppose. I suppose the interesting thing as well is what, what midlife back then would have been a totally different age. Because probably life expectancy would have been... So you, 30s would have been midlife, wouldn't yes. they? So, but in a way, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's just no. this idea that it's a, it's it's... A rebirth. It's a mm. reset. It's new, and it's the time when we can do something mm. else, and we can be useful, and we ha- we should have all this energy, and we should get it 
all back and be able to use it. That kind of, I really just liked the I idea. I think we should definitely claim up. that, reclaim that. And, yeah. Uh, so slow moon slow climbing. Moon climbing. What does slow moon climbing mean? Don't know. Did you haven't worked that out? Okay, I haven't got to that, that bit yet. No, <laughs> no. You know, I like to dip in and out of an academic book, as you know. Anyway, so the other thing we are talking about today is the midlife muffin top. <laughs> yes. Now this is all linked to hormones. And your body, it's true, medically, on the research I've done and things I've written about this, your body changes shape. So you get thicker round the middle, mm-hmm. which is not enjoyable. Mm. Um, and back fat. Bit, bit, of, oh. sort of, <laughs> bit sort of thick around the what middle. you about to show me. <laughs> I know, I'm sort of grabbing these bits at the, the back yes. there. Bit, bit of back fat, lower, lower back fat. Anyway, squidgy bits. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot to do, isn't it, with weight gain. And it's, it's not as simple as calories in and calories out. Not, anymore, as, not anymore, because it's all about hormonal complications and fluctuations in estrogen, progesterone. And basically, we end up with an increased appetite and and kind of just more fat we gain more fat don't we and the changing of the of the muscle tone and Um, it's that thing isn't it so i've got an eight-year-old and when she gets on my lap sometimes she'll go oh squidgy bits squidgy bits soft bits that's quite comforting it's nice to hear her say it but it's not sitting on a stick i know but it's not you don't want to be going all squidgy bits nice soft bits when you're trying something on in a changing room do you no not squidgy then then becomes muffin top annoys me makes me a bit depressed yeah i just i think sometimes your self-esteem and confidence is a bit happier when you're in a in a happier weight place yeah and it's tied to women's self-esteem it's not all bad though because fat some of the pieces i've read fat tries to create estrogen in the body and that's kind of what we need a little bit more of so we sort we do need that we need the good fats we don't need sugar and we should the advice would be cutting down on carbs if you're worried about your middle bit you might not be worried about it i mean it doesn't really matter but apparently we put on between 5 and 10 grams of weight during the years of menopause according to studies and Protein is mm-hmm. probably more where you should go if you're worried mm. about that. And the reason it is a worry, and it's not just body shape, and we're not all falling prey to, we've all got to look younger. It's nothing to do with that. It's a worry to be overweight mm-hmm. um, because of the cancer risk um, mm. and the other risks associated with the, the hormone changes. And also your loss of bone mass mm. at this age as well. So mm. it is good to it's reduce also it if you can. where the fat is, is that this is the issue because, yes. you know, in sort of puberty to perimenopause, you're, we're kind of tending to store fat in our sort of hips and thighs that's I, definitely I wish my I'd worn thing. a bikini a lot more <laughs> um, but, in my younger um, years this type of fat doesn't increase your risk of things like cancer and heart disease but the the fat you put on in, in this life stage it's yeah. visceral it's around your organs and I that's think that right. is so so we do have to be a bit more careful about maintaining the For weight our health yeah yeah exactly and there, and there is kind of as well as hormones there are, I think there are four other factors here you mentioned weight bone mass and density and the exercise but sleep as well because yes. poor sleep leads to increased stress which can lead to metabolic biscuits. problems biscuits for me <laughs> exactly hobnobs chocolate so hobnobs and when tea you're stressed, at four o'clock exactly you might stuff down a load of hobnobs but we should mention metabolism as well because yes. that's why fad diets or extreme diets really don't work because 
that sort of sudden and significant calorie reduction is just going to cause a decrease in muscle mass, which will then make your metabolism slow down even further and affect your bone density. So it's silly at any age. It, that, yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's the old sensible eating, and it sounds so boring, doesn't yeah. it? But I can't it make it sexy. <laughs> I can't do anything. It have but it's a thing. Middle yeah. age spread is a thing, isn't it? It's, yeah. a, it's a medically yeah. recognised thing. And have you found your appetite's changed at all? Are you hungrier? No, I'm not hungry. You're not hungry. I don't, I'm not massively hungry. I've got terrible food problems, obviously, you know, because I can't eat beetroot. And, oh. You know the list. <laughs> and the, and the shelf, you know the shelfish, list. Shellfish, shellfish, shellfish allergy, yeah, and yeah. root vegetables I will cross the road to avoid. Yeah, yeah. But the hobnobs I do, I am liking. Mm, yeah. yeah. Got to yeah. be in the fridge, though. Chocolate every day. Chocolate every day. Got to have it. <laughs> okay, so let's hear from our special guest, TV and radio presenter, Beverly Turner. Beverly has presented shows as wide-ranging as Formula One to travel and cookery, and recently hosted a very successful LB radio show. She also set up an antenatal service called the Happy Birth Club and wrote the Happy Birth Book with midwife Pam Wilde. She is divorced and has a 16-year-old son and two daughters aged 10 and 8. Welcome, Beverly. So, welcome, Beverly Turner. Thank you. Postcards from Midlife. Now, you have a 16-year-old mm-hmm. and then you have two younger children who are heading towards the teenage years. But Rapidly. you are a single parent. I am. Um, so your story is very different from mine mm. and Trisha's story. Mm. How different has single parenting been to married parenting? And what do you think you're most proud of? I think amongst my friends who are similarly single parenting, you realise it's not that different than it was before. And that's possibly one of the reasons why you do end up divorced. Um, Because I think men are much better at, let's say, focusing on what it is that they want to do. And and we continue to do everything else. The practicalities. The practicalities. But there are, of course, there are practicalities that I do single-handedly now that um, James would have shared with me before. So um, he was very good at breakfast. And I, in so doing the, you know, the six thirty-seven seven days a week, that kills me. It's kind mm. of relentless with three children, I would think, with the uniforms and the, all the stuff you've got to get ready. It's relentless. And the space in my head, I think that was never different. I've always carried everything around in my own head that the children needed to do. But I guess it's just sometimes having another pair of hands. You know, one of you does the, you know, rinses the dishwasher or the breakfast yeah. bowls while the other one throws the uniform on or, you know, at bedtime, one of you can be tidying up the kitchen from dinner while the other one's reading the stories. It's, you've got to be in two places at do once you, and it's just impossible. Do you use your teenager to help you? Because I've been, when my husband's away, um, my 17-year-old, she can actually be quite helpful. I, think I mean, you have to say what to do and then you do have you to have say, to pay can flush the toilet as, as well? well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the key was possibly in the word she. Uh, my teenager is a boy and, um, and therefore there's always a bit of resistance, um, which is something that I am desperate to work on because I want to create a husband and father to go out into the world and to right all the wrongs of the previous generation, but that is incredibly difficult. And I don't know whether it is that they it's some behaviour that they see modelled or whether it is just something within them, genetic, but my girls will instinctively say, can I help you, mummy? And I remember the, the littlest... Well, they're not teenagers yet. They're not they? teenagers I mean, yet. They're my, not teenagers most teenage yet. girls 
They're not teenagers yet. But I think I learned, I realised quite early on that I needed to set the precedent. There's quite a big age gap. There's six years between yeah. Croyd, my eldest, and, and Kiki, my middle one. And it was almost like when I, I made all my mistakes with him, like you do. And then with the second two, I thought, no, I have to set the precedence early with parenting. Whatever it is you want them to do, whether it's clean their teeth twice a day or tidy up their bedrooms, you've got to, you've got to sow those seeds when they're little and then it comes mm. to fruition. Hopefully, when they're teenagers... But hindsight is a wonderful thing, of course. And how have you found, uh, you mentioned the age gap, so parenting a teen versus parenting eight, ten-year-old? I, you know, I think as you mentioned, I work with pregnant women who haven't had a baby yet and they are a joy to be around because they sit in my antenatal classes and they have no idea what's coming and there's, there's only so much preparation you can give them. <laughs> but they are so lucky in that they have their tribe as new mums and as a mum of teenagers, you don't have that. You, you're all getting on with your own lives. Lonely. You don't see them. It is really lonely. You don't see the mothers of the teenagers as you did mm. when they were toddlers. You don't have WhatsApp groups talking about the feeding pattern or whatever it is. And so it is really lonely. And I think also there's a sense of, of kind of embarrassment and shame with mothers of teenagers and that we don't necessarily admit if our son has thrown the remote control well, across you, the room. There's a lot of things you can't. So we've talked about this before, Trish. You can't tell people. Also, they have told you not to tell anyone. Yeah, that's right. You have to consider their boundaries because they, well, they believe they're adults. They're not. They're especially that 15, 16, I think is fascinating. One minute they sort of want their teddy and the next minute they want independence to go to the movies. And one minute, you know, they think you're horrendous and they hate you. And the next minute they're coming up for a cuddle. It's like living with Mm. a, you know, complete psycho lunatic. Um, So, and that's very, very lonely because there isn't really anybody to talk to about it and you have to be careful what you confess because if you I mean this isn't necessarily the case in, in my case but I know some of my friends whose who's teenage sons have you know have got into drugs or yes. got into with the police yeah. does that mother tell you because then you may not want your son to go and play with that kid well, that's, that's the shame in, isn't it the shame street, and guilt you know? yeah, yeah. you feel in this and also I think at this point so you're 47 40s how old am I 46 46. Oh, sorry. Let, let me keep that year, no, Lorraine. Do not take that one year away year from on me. to your life by accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you're, so you're 46 and you'll be heading into, I'm just saying this, you'll be heading into your perimenopause at yeah. some point and um, you'll, you might go slightly mad, you might get yeah. very hot. You, lots yeah. of things may happen. There's how many symptoms are there, Trish? Uh, 40, 34, I think. 34. Metabolism slows down, mm, all of sex that. drive goes, all that, yeah. So that's like a perfect storm with teenagers Awful. in the house. You're going to yeah. have two teenage girls coming up towards you at that point. What do you think will be difficult for you as a single parent compared to a kind of a couple heading through that time of life? What I mean, do you envisage? I don't know. I have this amazing app called Hormone Horoscope, which changed my life. I wrote an article about it a couple of years ago and tried it out for a month and it, is, it has been transformative. What does it do? It tracks your cycle. If you still have regular cycles, which fingers crossed at the moment I do, you can track your cycle and how your mood will be on those particular days and therefore mm. you can let yourself off the hook if you want to... You you know, throw the child, you know, through the front window. You can realise yeah. that that's why you want to do it because you are premenstrual or whatever it is. And so I will give my teenage girls that particular app which applies to teenagers. That she, um, Gabrielle Lichterman, who started it, is a health journalist in America. It's an amazing resource. And she has a teenage version for girls. We'll be all over that, won't we? It's <laughs> phenomenal. I'm writing and, it down. Um, and, it, and it will help the girls understand why they feel certain ways at certain times. Even things like appetite, energy, focus, fatigue. 
fatigue. So you're planning this. <laughs> so I'm already, I'm all braced. <laughs> you're ahead of the game. So, but of course, once I do become perimenopausal, what the heck is going to happen to my hormones? I, I do worry mm. about that. But I think as a single mum, how do I handle it? I think I have my allies. I have my sister. Yeah. My mum is amazing. My female friends, my, my netball team. But it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's really hard. The emotional load is enormous. And do you find that your do your children behave differently? Do they give you some slack because you're a single parent, oh, or do they play on it? Completely the opposite. It's the opposite, right? I think it's completely the opposite. I mean, we're a year separation now, and I think they're probably still quite cross with me, and so they will fluctuate again. The girls, it's you know, they can be take out their anger on me a bit yeah. about the situation. They probably don't know they're doing it, and I think we have to be careful not to be sort of hyper-vigilant to that kind of behaviour and read into it because you think, well, you know... preempt maybe, something that's not happening. Yeah, you know, maybe they'd be treating me like that anyway, even, you yes. know, if we hadn't separated. Yeah. So you have to kind of not be too paranoid or guilt. It's the guilt kicks in because you see a child misbehave and we blame ourselves and we think it must be something that I've done. Because I'm at work, because yeah. I'm menopausal. Yeah, because I left their dad. <laughs> because there's a D in the months, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. How do you ask for support? Because I think that's one of the things that when you reach this stage of slightly lonely parenting and you can't ask or tell everyone, you've got to ask for support and you've got to work out who. And then you've also, I think, got to work out how to say no, haven't you? Because a lot is asked of us at this age. Yeah. And I'm quite good at saying, I don't want to, I'm not coming to that. I don't want to yeah. do that. If I have to bring four of them, that will be a nightmare. Yeah. Can I just bring two of them? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm quite good at that, but yeah. I know a lot of women struggle with the no thing. And when you're, and I, but I discuss it with my husband. So we agree that it, you've got to make all that decisions on your own. One of the things that I've started to do recently is with keeping my lists is prioritising what is important. So you write them down. I have my little paper book here that I have I like on the desk. Paper I'm book. old school. I yeah. like a book. I like to be able to see it and flick through. And if the battery's flat, it's still there. And I will put my to-do list, which is never-ending, into categories. So I will have one category that might be house, one is kids, one is work. <laughs> Remember that? You know, and therefore, even at the end of the day, if I can see that I've ticked off a couple from each category, mm. I feel like I'm winning. If I just have a 52-point list, it's too overwhelming. So breaking it down into what is, a, is, is important, mm. that really, really helps. And also, then you can actually look if there's anything you can delegate. So I might say to my mum, like, for instance, I have some problems. It's so inane, but this is the stuff we live, isn't it? Things like, I'm not on the best rates for my utility bills. When am I going to get the time to save myself the money that I need every month? The kind of job my mother would love. So I look at my list and I go, Oh, send around. Mum, you know, would you mind looking at my utility bills? Oh, drop off the folders. I'd, I'd love to. She gets a highlighter out and then she'll go and look at the rates. And then you can just gently, I think, ask Take that who can who can help you. And women are brilliant. And the thing is, the benefit of children being older is that if you do need to farm them out to another family for the night, it's not like trying to give them a baby. No, you know, or three small babies. Exactly. Yeah. And you can give them, you know, a teenager or you can say to them, do you mind if your teenager comes and stays the night with my teenager because I'm going to be out, but I don't really want him on his own. Yeah. But if, he, if, if there's a sensible one, you pick the sensible one, we know, but they come. But it's the communication. I spend all day WhatsApping people, mm. trying to negotiate and organise my life. How do you look after yourself in this process? Because I think in order to be really there for your kids, to be emotionally supportive and to be able to maintain the discipline, you've got to feel well and you've got to feel good. So how do you, do you have any me time? 
I, I mean, look, today I've come running in here. I think I've had two bananas to eat today and I came to the door desperate for a coffee. That's a terrible example of a day in which I've just not looked after myself at all. I try and walk. I'm a big fan of walking, so I go everywhere I in flat it's shoes. Mm-hmm. It's the, my saviour. And if I just, even if I think, right, I've got to get off the tube one stop earlier and get that fresh air. You know, I've been known to have meetings in London in the summer where I'll walk, and it's a two and a half hour walk. But I think if I can put a rucksack and my trainers on and walk with my phone, I can work, work make work calls, organise all that stuff. Travels with Beverly. Travels with Beverly. <laughs> yeah. Quite like the thought I'd of Beverly. Love that. Wandering across yeah. London. And I love my netball. So I have my, I got into this about four or five years ago. Some mums from school dragged me along. I think I was having a tough day. Come and play netball on a Friday morning. Oh, all right. And now I'm on a team. So and nothing gets in the way of my netball. I do that on a Tuesday night. And it is my therapy because I think it's in psychological terms what they call a flow activity. Mm. So when you completely immerse yourself in it and you can't think about your to-do list, you know, when you're playing netball, if you're not concentrating on the game, you get a ball in your face or you <laughs> let your team down. It's not like going for a run where I'm still thinking about everything. And I swim, I love swimming. I, I know you do as well, Lorraine, I don't you? I love swimming. I, no one can get to you, talk to you, and the, they've got to get in that water and they won't. It's <laughs> the equivalent of a birthing pool. There's a reason why birthing pools are popular. It's because nobody can touch you when you're giving birth in water. <laughs> and it's the same thing. I love my... But, you know, do I do it every week? I do my netball, but I don't always make time for the other things. Mm-hmm. And what about you're trying to expand your antenatal mm. business at the moment? How's that, uh, how's that panning out for you? And how are you finding the time to do that? Some days we're very productive. Some weeks we're productive. Some weeks we're not very good at all. And I've just reconciled myself to the fact that we can't do everything. And you're working with pregnant couples. They are precious and they are vulnerable and you have to get it right and so we've got that right now and we're now just looking for the people to expand it to. I guess for you that's quite poignant in in a way isn't it so you're seeing couples coming in at their most loving Mm. having sleep Mm. (laughs) haven't had the baby yet (laughs) don't know what's coming at them don't know what's coming at them there don't know what's coming at women as they get older in midlife and then Mm. you're in that phase of your life where you're on your own. And <laughs> just just list the opposite Sorry. of what you've just said. Yeah. <laughs> Embittered, tired, <laughs> run down. So do, is it, I, well, I think, though, that there is... I've, I've got friends who are going through divorces in the, in the middle of their life, their midlife bit, and actually they are quite hopeful in, in a way. They're women yeah. who they've kind of starting another journey. Yeah. Can you do that? Can you... Or is your focus, because teenagers need quite a lot mm. of support... Mm. Just on them and you're on hold, your new journey, your new life, your new... Is that on hold? I've got one doing GCSEs next year. I've got another one doing 11 plus exams in January. It's immersive at the moment. Mm. It's full on. I like to think that when I'm 18 months post-separation, the the dust will have settled a little. I will know what the children are going to do for the next stage of their life. And that at the moment, that does have to take priority, unfortunately. I would love to wake up every morning and just sit at a computer and write books and and just Mm. flounce around and run antenatal classes and you know that's not where I am at all but I am I am optimistic for that point in my life I am excited about that I'm not scared by that so your advice I guess for people at the same stage would be there is an there is a way that have some optimism I mean what's Uh, one thing do you think you remember that when you were spitting up that starting again that you could give as advice to people? I think I was, I had this really profound sense that we have one life and we deserve to be happy. 
I think that's the biggest thing. The women forget that. We we forget that so mm. easily. When we're basically living a life of service, which is what being a mother is, you forget that your happiness is actually incredibly important because they will go. These teenagers will fly the nest. Mine's going next year. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, I think I always had a very strong sense that um, I needed to keep a sense of who I was for that day. I couldn't, I knew I could never be a full-time mum because I needed my work and I needed the, the intellectual stimulation yes. of work. But that's harder as a single mum, isn't it? Because you, you've got such a load of stuff to remember, do, yeah. sort. Yeah. And that emotionally you can't really take a lot of it yeah. when you get home in the evening you can't dump that on yeah. something I do a lot of dumping on yeah my husband he maybe can't help sometimes but he can listen yeah. as I say my mum is an amazing um oh, I like of, Beverly's mum what's your what's her name her name's Joyce <laughs> oh Joyce you know she, she do our Edmund she takes <laughs> well she, she takes a lot of the emotional load and actually she's worked with children her whole life she she didn't oh, work professionally paid work she helped my dad with his business, but she always volunteered at schools. She set up playgroups in a very rundown area of Manchester that we lived in. And um, she's she's devoted her life to volunteering. She's a swimming coach for 20 years. And so she is amazing with children. She's better with my children than I am with them. Well, so, often other people are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my eldest calls um, grandma her favourite relative. And, and she always says, and that includes you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. And, and she's strict with them. She runs a very tight ship. Um, and yet she's kind of... I suppose really empowered me to know that it's okay to say no that that my needs are important and I think she's given me that message I would say more and more as they've got older and then she she sees you know post separation she sees what I have to deal with and she's a very good reminder of saying no I'll have the kids overnight you go out you need Mm -hmm. to go out you know and god what would you do that on mum's day do you think that um in this day and age um that there is any sort of stigma around single parenting, single parent families. So. Do you think that that's... I mean, I there are 1.8 million, I think we said. 1.8 million yeah. single parents and a quarter of all families, according to Gingerbread, are run by one Yeah, parent. I think, I mean, you know, I refer to my earlier point is that I think lots of families are being run by one parent yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, not always the mother, but predominantly it is the mum who's keeping up the... I think it's the emotional housekeeping. Emotional labour. The emotional labour. Mm, mm. And it's the stuff in the head and what does see on the washing machine actually mean? It's all that, all that minutiae that we carry around. It's not something I am paranoid about. It's not something mm, I'm conscious good, of. And therefore, I never thought I would be. I never thought I would be a single mum because my parents have been married for like I don't know, like 100 years or something. You know, they've been together since their 20s and they're in their 70s and 80s. So they are a very, very strong role model. Our family does not have divorce. James's parents are still together, my ex, and his sister is still married. My siblings are still married. So we have no blueprint for this, actually. And it's taken a long time. It took me a long time. I think there's also that thing which lots of women talk about when when I'm having big conversations about working women and women who choose to work as opposed, because, you know, a huge yeah. chunk of women have to work, they've got no choice, yeah. is your kids know what they know. They can't come home and say, well, it's much nicer in my other family where blah, blah, blah mm. happens and everyone's mum's home baking cake. Mm-hmm. They don't know that. They don't live in that family. So they know what they know. Mm. And that, I think, means that they accept it a bit more, I think. Maybe. I mean, my kids are just especially maybe it's because it's the moment at the moment with post sort of separation mm. but I do feel like I'm I can never be enough 
Like, there is a sense that I am never there. I That's cannot a universal be there female feeling. Enough. Yeah. I just cannot be there. I could do bedtime every night and do breakfast every morning and I could be there every pick up a drop off. And it would still, you feel like as soon as you say, oh, I'm going to go out and play my netball. But mummy, you always go out. What? Yeah. What? I'm never out. What are you talking well, about? I do think they work out quite quickly as well, how to, how to use oh, them. Oh, yeah. But you weren't, I did ask, but you weren't there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They do that is in their yeah. thinking. But yeah. I don't think maybe you feel like you're not enough, but I never think children I mean I might be wrong. Maybe. They it's feel all like they're... different circumstances. It and is. we're going to make mistakes. Of course. Of course we yeah. are. And and they are resilient actually. And my mom has said that to me as well. You just reminded me that you know my my mom said they'll be fine. They will be fine. I kind of needed her to say that, but I think I do give myself a bit of a hard time about not being there and, and feeling guilty a lot of the time. And my sister doesn't seem to suffer from the same thing. It's interesting. Even though we're both mm. from the same household, she works very long hours. Different personality. Different though. personality, different. but has a very hands-on husband and father. Yeah. I mean, when people say to me, how do you do four children a full-time job? I say, well, I don't, do I? I do it yeah. with a nanny and my husband is yeah. at home. He does doctors, dentists and all it's of that. Way I do we, the other bits. It's and... the only way, really, that it can work. And it's the one part of feminism that we got wrong, is that we talked, and all of that narrative, whether it was, you know, Jermaine Greer and Virginia Woolf, and, you know, all these women who didn't have children talking about economic equality, go out to work, go out to work. And there were no mothers in that narrative saying, and if the blokes would like to stay at home and help raise yeah. the kids, please. And so we had 30, 40 years of that narrative without anybody. And it's only really now. And the advent of the house husband, you know, in inverted commas, kind of 90s, I would say, yeah. recently. Maybe later even. I Maybe think. even later. Yeah, yeah. And it's only now that we're talking about flexible working hours and dads being at home and shared care and shared parental leave. These are very, very new concepts. And until men take more responsibility at home, it will always be harder for women to have it all in inverted commas. Well, my husband's never been asked how he manages a full-time job and four children. Yeah, that's right. no one ever asked me. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody ever does. And, and it is a terrible double standard that still exists, which returns us to the subject of my son and whether he can pick up his clothes off the floor and I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> but it is things like, um, you know, I just remember to your point about you're never enough. I mm. was so conscious when mine were in, in junior school of wanting to be class rep for each of them one year. It seemed like a really big deal and that was quite important oh, because yeah. it meant you did all the, and I was like, I mean, never going to join the PTA. I haven't got enough time to do that. But at least being class rep, and it was really hard work. It's like, you know, trying to corral people, do the bake sales, do I the have, all of that. Yeah. And then I, I talked to my son about it the other day, and I said, do you remember? And he says, well, I don't remember that. And yeah. I was like, great. You know, I'm, I, I've never been God class sake. rep. I don't. I have don't never do been it. Class you don't rep. need to. You don't need to. Well, I did the Christmas collection once. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I, was, I was the school governor for a couple of years. That's quite. Hard. That sounds quite. That was, hard but course. actually, ironically or unexpectedly, perhaps, being a school governor was less of a responsibility than being the class rep. Mm. I'd look at the class rep sending out emails about mm. what you know, what to wear and what days fancy dress and what days, you know, bring a bloody book or dress like a book character. I thought I am not going to be all over that. No. I'm just I'm going to let everybody down. I was just really honest when it goes on the WhatsApp. Who'd like to be class rep? I just go no. no. I will be terrible, and you'll all hate me. Done. <laughs> but um, no one's ever asked me. No, <laughs> really. Funny that. <laughs> I had to. I, they, well, you're just not always at the pickups, are you? So you're no. not always at the drop offs. Thank God. Pickups. So, so you don't know the <laughs> thing of what's going on. Somebody came, one of the mums, when I was 
she was at junior school, I think my elders came up to me and said, I've found out what you do. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. What? And I said, what do I do then? She said, well, you work on a fashion magazine. I mean, you just cannot tell by looking at you. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, God, is that why they don't ask me to be class oh, free? Is that what? Was she trying to sort of say that you just look so normal? You don't look <gasps> no, like the devil wears Prada? I don't know. Or I she just, she a bit, just being a bit sort of, mean? Being oh, I think mean. she might have been being mean oh, to me. Oh, no, that's <laughs> horrendous. Yeah, I think that's the other thing, isn't it? When you're in the single mum zone, the other women judging women on mm. how they parent and what they parent and what they're kind of, mm. you know, it's the breastfeeding and it's the kind of, we're set up as a society to consistently put women against each other in the motherhood. Mm. So it's competitive, it becomes competitive. One of the reasons I didn't engage with the whole Mumsnet mm. community was because of that awful forums of really oh, competitive yeah. women telling us we were doing it wrong and it, oh it's everyone yes. is just winging it we're all just doing our best mm. well we don't know there's no book then there are no rules there's mm. not proper guidance i Absolutely. mean i kind of think if they've got all their limbs yeah. and they're alive at the end of the day yeah. done it good everyone's job everyone's got a pulse They've eaten something. <laughs> Nobody's crying. Well, they might be. They're crying. always Actually, crying. Always crying. one of them are crying. Yeah, grizzling crying. You know, roughly everybody is okay. And I, and also, our parents' generation did not sit around worrying about our mm. mental health. No. Well, they weren't what I call part of the whole attachment parenting trend that's been the last mm. sort of 10, 15 years. Of, yeah. If, the, if your whole family being so child-centred, really nothing else mattered. And actually yeah. that's not been massively helpful to women. That has made women feel like they're I, not enough. I totally enough. agree. Or to children necessarily. No. Because they're all we're all now accusing them of being snowflakes. I know. I totally <laughs> agree. So they can't when win they might just be a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think there's possibly a, a middle ground yeah. in that our parents, you know, might go to the pub and leave us in the back of the car with a packet of crisps and a bottle of oh, pop. I, you know, I quite like being we in the pub that. garden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. Crisps Even in the rain drink. in Manchester, it's still lovely. <laughs> Whereas we we now now our social life is arranged around them. So is there a soft play at the pub? Is there a, a climbing frame? Or, you know, or even with the teenagers, where are they going to want to go that we will then fit in with them? Yeah. Like our parents' generation look at us with disbelief yeah. that actually they need to fit in with our needs sometimes. We set a curfew when they go out, the teenagers. I like them back between half 11 and midnight to know. But I know where they are. We can get cars to get them if we want. We can drive to get them. And our parents didn't know that. No, we were just we, we went out. We just went out. I remember going out in my roller boots for the day. You know, it was sort of probably thirteen. Come back yeah. at tea time. Spent all day going up and down the steep hills of Manchester yeah. and in and Across out. Of five line motorway. Exactly <laughs> on our roller boots. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Well, thank you very much, Beverly. That was fascinating and I hope it was helpful. So Lorraine, we've got to that part of the show where I want to find out what's changed your life this week, what you've been trying and what you've been nostalgia noodling or noodling about nostalgia. Well, what's changed my life is a website called Victoria Health. I'm going to do a massive name drop now, <laughs> which Nigella told me about. I don't even have to say her surname. She's like Madonna, isn't she? Nigella told me about this website. It's absolutely brilliant. It's called Victoria Health. And when you get to midlife, your hair gets a little... Well, not everyone, just me. Um, your hair can get a bit thinner. And there's this brilliant shampoo that I've been using. And I can feel, feel, the, feel it thickening mm. my hair, little tufts. Um, it's called Full Vic, F-U-L... Uh, dash Vic and the shampoo and conditioner that has changed my life um that's what I've been trying this week I tell you Mm -hmm. what's changed my life in a very funny Mm -hmm. upbeat way is a man in some speedos (laughs) on Instagram are you sure men in speedos it's, is it funny? He's very funny. He's a yeah. personal trainer called James Smith. He's in Australia. He's got a book coming out at some point next year. Um, but he's really funny and irreverent, and he really calls out all that bullshit around having a thigh gap, having leaner legs, flatter tummy, all of that ridiculous social media pressurising women to look a certain way and be a certain way. He just calls it all out, and all the silly exercise things. But he does it in a very funny way way and um i mean he's the man least likely to write a recipe book invo- involving kale or something like that. he's the unwoke trainer does he have were. a muffin off over his speedos no no <laughs> but I'm men not in speedos is that ever attractive spe- <laughs> it's, he's, he's quite fit oh okay. check fit as in healthy fit and healthy yeah, yeah. i started to okay. look at fit men on instagram oh, okay turned Something. into my grandma mm-hmm. um i look at the rock a lot on instagram as oh. well working out and um marky mark Mm, okay. F45 it's training. clearly your new hobby isn't it? <laughs> little hobby. that's what I'm doing on the tube oh, what about your nostalgia well noodling? my nostalgia noodling was brought to me by my mother this week by my mum um, I remember was remembering Top of the Pops because you can see it on the telly but then I remembered and I, don't, I can't imagine how I'd forgotten this that I actually was in the audience you at Top of the not. Pops in 1984 my mum reminded me who was on? Who was on? Well, I was just 15 and I came to London from Cornwall on my own, uh, on the train. <laughs> I mean, who lets the... Oh, God. Thanks, Mum. Wild person. Uh, came to London and I'm really trying to remember. She says she's got the the. Oh, the so you can't remember box, who's on. The DVD, the video, um, you know, remember the cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember Rock the Boat was on. You, you know yep. that one? Rock yeah. And I remember I had a perm. Nice. And pink hair, a little nice. bit of pink hair. Was it rah-rah skirt time? I was wearing a rah You were skirt. wearing a rah yeah. skirt. Yeah, was, okay. but that made me very nostalgic. Oh, God, we've got to get that video out. No, you haven't. Yes. <laughs> I'm calling your mum now <laughs> to get that video. <laughs> oh, well, should I tell you what I've Go been... Go on, oh, do right. it. Okay. Lay it on so me, Trish. what's changed my life this week? I'm hoping this is going to change my life. I've only just started doing it. I discovered that there's special vitamins you can take that are supposed to kind of help and improve your eyesight because <laughs> for the what, last what two years rub the pills rub on... the pills on your eyeballs no yeah. you can take these vitamins it's basically a <laughs> kind got of such a picture of you <laughs> doing that <laughs> um, my sister told me about this and it's something it's some kind of b vitamin so i went into boots or other other chemists available um to have a little look and there's a whole section on vitamins for your eyes so i thought right i'm buying some of these so i'm hoping that that's like gonna, a mole a mole. <laughs> like a mole. Vitamins, Vitamins for your for eyes. Moles, for yeah, moles. 
Yes, you could be. Anyway, so what I'm hoping is that's going to help me and that's going to change my life by helping me see a bit better. Um, and then what can I'm you see me now? I can see your lovely red lipstick across the desk. Right, I am trying. Right, I'm such a dinosaur. I'm so slow to everything. But I finally had a second I piercing. That. I had a second piercing. No. Actually, these... Other head, nipples. These, <laughs> left, right, left lobe, left lobe. Actually, these headphones are sort of irritating it. But anyway, had a little tiny, tiny little diamond piercing. Oh, and she did it last. with a needle. What? It was like, oh, it was quite, it felt quite gruesome. Not a you, gun. No, not a gun. But actually, it looks really pretty and it's a tiny, tiny little diamond. I'm very pleased with Why it. Why have you had that done? Well, um, I've decided it might make me feel a bit younger and a little bit less. Um, actually, do you know why? It's because my main piercings, they've sort of gone a bit droopy. Doesn't look very nice. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Have that, you got time to look oh, at whether your piercings are droopy well, or not? Yeah, probably have. Too Can much I tell time. you my piercing story? Oh, God. Yeah, uh, go on. So, I've my got, I've got friend, it's gruesome. It's a bit gruesome. My friend Vic and I met for a, a lunch a couple of years ago, thought, well, we'll what should we do this lunch at? How bored are we? Um, popped into Topshop where they opened the piercing salon. Oh, let's, let's get our cartilage pierced, we thought. I mean, honestly, ridiculous. Was there alcohol involved? No. Oh, OK. You'd well, have thought, wouldn't yeah. you? No. So went in, but everyone was getting it. My daughter, my eldest daughter's had everything pierced in her ear. Went in. They do it with a massive needle. Mm, and it's a weird stick. tube. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, hideous, it's absolutely hideous. But it, I thought it was a quite nice little bolt. Single most painful thing that has mm. ever happened to me, and I'm putting it in the category this is with for, childbirth. For child, yeah, child, it yeah, was agony. Didn't seem to hurt, but agony. I lasted six weeks. Six mm. weeks. Couldn't put. If someone moved their hand within a meter of my of ear, breeze. <laughs> oh god, it's bloody painful. You mustn't yeah. do it. No, Just I'm, don't I'm not. Do it. I'm not going. I choose. No. I choose enough. Don't I'm quite it. daring. Quite yeah. daring. Have you got a tattoo? No. Have I've you? Got, yeah. You've got. Yes, you have, haven't you? Yes, tiny, it's pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get a bigger one. I'd quite like another tattoo. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. A stylish one. Mm. Love and hate across my... No, no. It's... Um, <laughs> Spider web on your face. Small daisy on my foot. We're done in... Um, well, it was done on Tooting Broadway. There was alcohol involved in that, <laughs> oh, I think. Um, and I was 18. And it was going to be all over my foot. And, uh, and after they oh. did the daisy, I said, you know what, that's quite painful. I'll come back for the rest. And then 30-odd no, years no. later, you got it on my foot. back. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I tell you my nostalgia thing? Um, I, I had to buy some glasses, not eyeglasses, but uh, drinking glasses, you know, little tumblers. And it made me think about um, when, when I was little, I'm sure you had this as well, and your dad used to come home, he'd filled up the car with petrol and he came home with loads of glasses. From the garage. Yeah. From the garage. Do you remember that? <laughs> we had all sorts of cut glass tumblers and you don't get that these days do you no but yeah. do you remember that episode of friends where they oh, all yes. get stuck and um they get all their presents from, <laughs> from the, garage. the garage yeah they're stuck at the garage it's Ooh. a very boring trip now the garage yeah it really is well, we've come to the end of Postcards from Midlife today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Next time, we'll be talking to Louise Wenner about feeling desired and your sexuality when you're approaching or in your midlife. Now, if you'd like to send us a postcard, perhaps you have a question, or maybe you'd like to just tell us your midlife story because everybody's got a very different story. You can find all the ways to contact us in the description below. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, please do subscribe. We can't wait to talk to you next week. But until then, bye-bye.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.